Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Comics Collective, the weekly comic book podcast where we read and discuss a collection of comic books or a graphic novel. I'm your host, Alice. I'm Alexis. And I'm Anne. And for today's episode, a little behind the scenes here for you, we're filming a doubleheader. The next two weeks are being filmed today. First on the docket is Danger and Other Unknown Risks from Ryan North and Erica Henderson. The dream team that brought you Unstoppable Squirrel Girl has reunited for comedic, low fantasy, high emotional stakes, high comedy gold, danger, and other unknown risks. Now, this is a comic I picked up because I love this creative team, and Mm -hmm. because the combination of the title and the cover image made me say, this is everything I need in my life. So I picked it up on release day and it sat on my bedside table for two weeks. And then I finally said, you know what? I'm not going to get to this unless I make it for the show. I know it's going to be good. So it's going to be worth doing it on the show. And so we all picked up a copy. We all read it. I loved it. I want to hear what you think. And what did you think? I was very, very, very happy with this book. I, Let's go. I was getting into it. I'm like, okay, okay, solid start, solid start. But then like that twist happens right there at the second act. And you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. now we're cooking. Show me where this goes. This has real stakes now. But it never loses that really great sense of comedy that Erica, and Erica Henderson really, really brings home. And just, it was, it was wonderful. It's my first experience with... Not Ryan North, because I've been following his um, Fantastic Four a bit. Also very lovely. Um, but I think it's my first Erica Henderson book. And this was this was great. I've been saving Squirrel Girl because I figured we'd talk about it on here someday. And so I wanted that to be a fresh experience. I like that. This is your first Erica Henderson. That's crazy. Yeah. You haven't done Assassination from her and Kyle Starks? No, I have not. <gasps> that is a 10 out of 10 comic. We might have to cover it on the show. Okay. Like, if you liked this and you were like, this could use 10 times the tomfoolery and okay. a character named Fuck Tarkington. Yes. Then you need assassination. Also, for you Halloween witchy girlies out there, Dracula motherfucker that Erica Henderson drew and wrote. <gasps> Wait, no, no, no. I have I one Erica Henderson because yeah. I love that book. That one is that one's bad to the bone. I love that comic too. Erica Henderson, one of my favorite creatives in comics. If you don't follow her on Twitter, you're missing out. Her Twitter is just full of all her embroidery work. When she's not doing comics, she is Queen. making all of her own clothes. And she does the most intricate embroidery work I've ever seen in my life. It's amazing. Oh, beautiful. Queen. Yeah. Lexi, what did you think? Oh, this book was... So fun. It gave me the happiest little itch to my Tilly Walden drawer that I'm like, ah, I love this type of stuff. It's like the perfect amount of like happy-go-lucky fun storytelling that has a really, really dark underlying theme that's going to make you want to crawl into a ball and cry at the end. Mm -hmm. Um, But it masquerades it with really fun imagery and high-stakes adventure storytelling. And... I just thought it was so fun. It was such a quick read for me. I really just blew through the whole thing, which was super awesome. Um, Honestly, in like, I'd say maybe an hour and a half of like actually just reading it. Um, 
So it's a super easy read, super fun to just pick up and run with it. Um, and I would seriously hand this to like anybody. I like really want my little sister to read this, even though she doesn't read. So we'll try. <laughs> it's just immediately charming mm-hmm. from the jump with Marguerite and Daisy on the run from those strange priests that they have to go back and make new embroidered masks for. I love that in like the after <laughs> credits masks. Scene. Friendship like, um, masks. Loki, sorry. Um <laughs> Sorry we, like, almost helped ruin the world. Spoiler alert. Sorry that my dog, like, tried to eat that hand like a piece of jerky. My new favorite taste. When it was revealed that Daisy was a boy, because Daisy is a gender-neutral name, especially for dogs, cracked me up. So funny. (laughs) The dog had an um, um-actually moment, and Mm. it was beautiful. Excuse me. It's like, you're being robbed in the dog. But the dog's like, no, I need to to talk about this. (laughs) We need to correct them. So funny. I think this book has a ton of whimsy, a ton of genuine laughs. Like comedy is something that's hard to pull off in anything. And Mm -hmm. the team of Ryan North and Erica Henderson pulls it off brilliantly. I think the character designs are great. The color work, which I'm pretty sure Erica Henderson. Yeah, Erica Henderson did the colors as well. Were brilliant. Like everything about this comic is visually stunning it's a feast to flip through these pages and ryan north is so funny and also one of the smartest writers working in comics today like he wrote a novel called how to take over the world it's a non-fiction book where each chapter is how you would go about in the real world becoming a supervillain like the chapter on how to go about creating your secret lair is bananas and he uses real math real everything he's so damn smart and it just bleeds out into his comics where Mm -hmm. he has these ideas he has these concepts he talks about things in a way that make you understand them better while you're laughing it's so crazy i've been talking a ton though you two take it away his um his time travel one is also really fun I've been listening to that one because my library does not have the supervillain one yet. So I'm, you know, behind, but alas, I agree. It's it's great that he can use that to his effect, that whimsy and that intelligence. This, I think it's funny we're doing this at the same day we do Paper Girls, which are both two stories that have very complex bases behind their, um, the plot behind like the motivating factor behind what starts the story, why the story's happening. Easy to understand characters, but a bit more of a complex plot. And I think that Ryan North did a great job of making this something that you could understand easily and um pretty effortlessly get your head around. It's a book that is perfect for, like you said earlier, anyone, I would hand this to literally anyone that wanted to read comics. I don't I don't even remember if there's any like language in it. It's a pretty solid family fun comic. It's part of Penguin's um like young adult, late teenager mm-hmm. run of graphic novels. So I think that's mm-hmm. the intended audience. So it, it's pretty family friendly. I don't think there's yeah. anything crazy in here. This is the perfect book fair book. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is the perfect way to describe it for sure. We love a good book fair. I miss those. So- Lex, 
We were on the hunt for a good fantasy comic. And when I picked this up, I did not know it was going to be a fantasy world. Mm-hmm. This is a very interesting low fantasy. My first hint that it was going to be fantasy was when someone tweeted, they're like, I would love non-monarchical fantasy. Like all of our fantasy is built around like kings, queens, royal courts. They're like, I'm sick of that bullshit. What is a fantasy story that doesn't have that? And Erica Henderson was like, check out my new book. And I was like, ooh, okay. How do you feel like the fantasy of this compared against some of your other fantasy loves? It was so fun. And it honestly was refreshing too because you can definitely feel that like whimsy, magical feel. Like especially when – they're with their cute little farmer, their little farmer friend, boyfriend. And he was talking about like how they all have taught their magic, how to change the weather, basically, like to magically just make their lives better. I was like, oh, this is so sweet. Like, this is so heartfelt and just lovely. And I feel like it's like just that perfect amount of the magic is there but it's not too heavy, if that makes sense. Like, it just was the perfect amount of like, oh, how sweet. Or just like, I screenshotted my favorite page out of the entire thing that just made me belly laugh. And it was right at the beginning. But um, Marguerite and Daisy are talking to each other. And Marguerite's like, what is like, what is that that I'm smelling? And Daisy's like, smells like mm, smoke, hops, questionable sausage. And I want to say desperation, question mark. And and Marguerite goes, a tavern! If that is not the most telling thing I've ever heard, that would be me if I was playing Dungeons and Dragons. Be like, oh, desperation, it's a tavern! <laughs> like, I just belly laughed when I read that. And it's just like, it's just so fun and lighthearted and a quick read. I just mm-hmm. feel like it's perfect to like fill in the gaps of your reading adventure. Yeah. And to go off, like, we're both all actually all of us are kind of going through the um the Sanderson arc where the we're Cosmere, just here, baby. The Cosmere. <laughs> if you look at how this builds a fantasy world versus how Sanderson does it, if Sanderson was telling the story, he, there would be several chapters devoted to telling you how the different political systems of each of these different realms works, and also the the very intricate magical systems that explain why her spell is different in every single realm. There would be a hard science behind magic because that's the way that Mistborn's set up. I'm sure that's the way his other books are set up as well. Yep. And it's a system that works for him. And then I, I think as a writer, as a creative, you need to understand like what is going to work best for your story. And having a story where it's like you very loosely explain what's going on, where it's like there was magic, people kind of fooled around and they kind of fucked around and found out um, different realms happened. A lot of people died. Things are just kind of crazy right now. So yeah, that's about it. And it's enough to tell the story you want to tell. And I think it's just as successful that way as any other fantasy story. It's just, I I think sometimes I like it a little better like this because it lets you fill in the gaps too. It lets you kind of build this world along with them. Because if you think about something cool, you're like, oh, I bet this world has a a realm that's completely underwater. That's like Atlantis or something. Or you think like, I, I really want to know what realm Florida looks like right now. Is it better? Probably. No. Um, it's Florida. It's not better. It's worse. <laughs> it's, could it be worse though? That's I think I it can. Like, I think it really can. Oh. And um, it's 
it's it's great. I, it, I think it really serves the ending too, where they're like, well, let's go figure out what this world actually looks like now that we're not trying to, you know, accidentally end it. Which, by the way, one of the best twists ever. I figured we would get something like, um, where she's like, oh, she he just told me I was the chosen one. It was going to be something where it's like, you're not actually the chosen one. He just told you that. So you believe in yourself. And what you need to do is believe in yourself and you do it. But no, it turns out he's just a grumpy old fart who doesn't like that things change. Which, mm-hmm. by the way, fantastic theme for the book. Very, very oh poignant and timely. I appreciate that. Um, fitting for the stage. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love that. It was it was it was wonderful. I think when I realized that was what this book is trying to tell me, that's the moment I fell in love with it. Um, <laughs> it was the moment where Jason is laughing at him, and she's like, "Dude, I'm sitting here next to a VHS copy of Cannonball Run Two. I don't know what you're trying to say, but this isn't it. <laughs> this is awful." I yeah, it's that was a, a wonderful, wonderfully executed twist. I agree. I something I like that Ryan North and Erica Henderson do is they they wear their heart on their sleeve, right? Their stories are always yeah. about something, mm-hmm. and they always have these little heartfelt moments that make you think like, "Oh, I should make the world a better place." Like, I I will always smile when I think about one of the first transgender characters in Marvel Comics being Koi Boy from Unspeakable mm-hmm. Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, and it just being like a matter of fact thing, right? Just like, oh, by the way, like this character has been here for a long time and just, oh, by the way. And I feel like that's their attitude toward a lot of the kindness and the heart in their books is just like, Mm -hmm. it's a given that you are just going to be kind. Like in this book specifically, I love when Marguerite, after those guys try to rob her in the second place, she goes back and she gives them what they need. She's like, they were right. Like they shouldn't have tried to attack us, but at the end of the day, like they need this, we need to help them out. And it's just a matter of fact, like we are going to do the right thing, you know? And it just, it's the kind of book that you read that makes you want to be better too. They make it seem so easy and so worth your time to be kind and to help the people around you. Like spoilers for unbeatable squirrel girl. She's unbeatable because she uses her words. (laughs) Because when Galactus comes to show up to defeat the planet, it's not she's not unbeatable because she has the power of a squirrel. It's because she goes and sits on the moon and just talks with Galactus about his day. And he's like, oh, you know what? I'm not going to attack Earth anymore. (laughs) And it just it works. It works because it doesn't make the conflict feel hollow. It makes emotional honesty and kindness feel so powerful. Hell yeah. Well, that was, also, it. that was the, Thanks for summarizing that, <laughs> summarizing yeah. that beautifully. I don't think we have anything else to, to say here. Also, I think I fell <laughs> in love with this book on the page where she throws Mr. Toadsworth the third through the portal for the first time. Oh. And it's just, she, they pull up to this new like bubblegum pink sky, rolling green hills, big pink crystals fantasy land it's you're like okay we're going to a different realm she pauses at the edge and then she winds up with this frog and just yeets him through a portal <laughs> and then she goes it's survivable and daisy goes at least for toads <laughs> and then marguerite goes at least for toads <laughs> my favorite thing though is that this was the third toad 
Oh, the what very best the first part of this- two. The very best part of this book is that the last page is introducing Mr. Toadsworth the fourth. The fourth. <laughs> and he has a little cowboy hat. Yes. Gold. Oh. You know what? Comedy gold. <clears throat> Second best um, fictional amphibian right there behind Jason Funderbooker from Over the Garden Wall. It's it- it's up there. Oh. Top toads. This I have a has list of toads now. Toads. This has big over the garden wall Studio Ghibli vibes. Like I read this and then Mm -hmm. I watched My Neighbor Totoro for the first time because I was like, I need more of exactly this. Funny. Oh, I could see that. The the chapter I it really warmed my heart. The chapter where she was on the farm talking about the guy that she met, Mm. their relationship. I love that chapter so much. I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop, and I was so glad it didn't. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sorry, Lex. Because it starts mm-hmm. where it's like, "Hey, let me tell you about this guy I met." Don't, and she's like, "Just, just listen. I just got to talk about this guy." I'm like, "Oh no, he's gonna betray them, or there's gonna mm-hmm. be something weird about mm-hmm. this village." Yeah, and just that moment at the end where she's like, "Listen, I just, you're gonna kiss me, and then I'm gonna go back to my room because I want to leave here on a high note." I thought that was yeah. wonderful. That was so soft. I said, "Oh, I love it." Mm-hmm. Or when <laughs> Jason way and she- Daisy were like. Yes. Sit here and read our mysterious books that we don't know what anything about that's inside of them. And they're like, okay, weird. Goodbye. They go on their own little date. (laughs) As soon as they leave, and Jason just turns the dog back when huge smile. The the unlock lock spell is -hmm. like, oh, in this realm, it just slightly cools things. Like, what's that going to be good for? (laughs) And then Daisy lights himself on fire. To charge in like a flaming hero, and so it absolutely becomes pertinent. And then when he when they make the inside of the jacket cold, he goes, "Oh, that's nice. Oh, that's nice." <laughs> I Just love this flaming Chow Chow fighting mm-hmm. off spectral wolves. I was like, "This is the greatest book that's ever been made, it baby." It is. Or how in another realm, the power was that it gave Daisy back his hair. Yes. <laughs> But also that they let Daisy have a bald patch for a while. Yeah. Love it. Oh, it's it's just a wonderful little comic. Um, Lex, what did you think of the other characters? I liked them all so much. This week I had an experience that kind of made the story, I feel like, hit a little harder at home, I feel like, in my personal life. Um, and basically with he was her uncle right not her grandpa her uncle yes mm-hmm. uncle um so her uncle basically is this grouchy old man who just is stuck in the past does not want to move forward cannot accept the world changing around him and has kind of created a very toxic and hateful space around himself in doing so and I had a very interesting conversation with a family member this week that was similar. Uh, I'm trying to think of how I want to say this. Um, It was basically me just asking said family member why it's so hard for people of their generation to accept things that are happening in our world and why it's so hard for people to just be kind. Like, Mm -hmm. if it's something that you don't necessarily understand or agree with, why is your first instinct to be hateful or angry? Mm -hmm. And 
the response that I was given was like, that wasn't our time. We didn't, we didn't grow up with this. We don't understand that. And I just kept, I feel like reading this last half of this book really reinstated in my mind of like, that's not an excuse. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you're alive today. You can't use your past and the way you were raised to justify poor behavior and hateful mm-hmm. comments towards people you don't know or individuals that you see on the internet. Like people I would say like our older generations love to point the finger of like, oh, you you kids on internet on the internet don't know what's real from not real. And I'm like, well, you guys are out here ridiculing somebody that you saw online for a situation that's not even real, you know? And it just really reinstated into me, like, being old is not an excuse for being a bigot. (laughs) Sorry, it's not. I feel like I should get that on a blanket and put it, hang it out my front porch. Being old is not an excuse for being a bigot. And I don't know, I just feel like that really, this book really hit that feeling home to me this week. Mm -hmm. So it's a very interesting conversation I had. (laughs) It's, it's constantly wondering what the disconnect is, you know, I feel, (laughs) and it's funny that the first thing that gets taken out here is technology and electronics. Cause I feel like a lot of that, you know, gets, we get a lot of grief from older generations about our interconnectivity and how often we're doing things like social media, or we're online using phones. But I think there's a lot that those have done for our generation that have helped us see other people for who they are and seeing situations for what they are because information is so readily accessible in a way that it wasn't before that I think it's nicer that we have that moment where we can say like, I don't understand this. I can learn more about it. I can do that right now. Whereas I think older generations might still have that thing where it's like, I don't understand this. So I'm just going to immediately be defensive about it because it's, they don't have that initial like reaction. Like, Hey, I can learn more now. It's that wasn't readily available to them before. So it makes more sense that they just be not to not for lack of a better word, conservative about it. And I think that it's also fitting that there's a reason why the main character in this book um, is the one who goes out there, who meets people, has all these experiences, gets to see the world as it is. And she has a different view on it than the guy who does nothing but sit around in his own cave, staying in his own safe space where everything is as he knows it, as he understands it. And all he wants is to get back to where things are comfortable. And I think that's a great metaphor for just if you get out of that comfort zone and you get to actually just be a human being and talk to other human beings, your perspective drastically changes. Definitely. And I feel like to kind of piggyback off of that, like another point that I felt so strongly that I was trying to convey with this person, like we were raised to love everybody. Like that was Mm -hmm. such a big point of like us being brought up as kids. Like we were taught like get out there, meet everybody, meet as many people as you can, love everybody. And now that we're doing that, we're ostracized as like, what are you doing? Like, why are, Mm -hmm. why are you, why are you having these individualistic thoughts? Like, we, we didn't raise you to do that. What, what is going on? 
And it just is so, it's so interesting to be the younger generation that's been out in the world. And like to use, I mean, what you said, Anne, of like our social media and our phones, like we are exposed to so many different things in the world and that can be bad. But I feel like in the long run, there are so many different types of people that I'm being exposed to just to use myself as an experience that I'm meeting and interacting with over the internet. Like mm-hmm. it feels so crazy to say out loud that you and I have never met in person, <laughs> but I am like so emotionally connected to you. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Like this yeah. is the type of stuff that older generations and I don't know, for lack of better word and conservative generations mm-hmm. aren't seeing like this is such a huge world that is so amazing and filled with so many amazing people that are different and that's the best part about it so i can't imagine wanting to lock yourself in a shrine of a man cave to play <laughs> super smash bros on a giant box mm-hmm. and talk about that for the rest of your life like you're missing out on so much being Hateful. (laughs) I really love this quote from Mark Twain. He said, travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness, and many of our people need it sorely on these accounts. Broad, wholesome, charitable views of men and things cannot be acquired by vegetating in one little corner of the earth all one's lifetime. I feel like that sums up so well what this comic does Mm -hmm. brilliantly with its story. Yeah. And as, as someone from a little podunk town, um, I've seen people who have stayed here their entire life, and I've seen people who have been out of here and lived and gone places. And the the ways that I've seen those two different people grow or stay stagnant is remarkable. The, the growth I've seen in people that have left here and gotten to meet people, have these experiences, it's just... There is no truer quote than that Mark Twain quote. That's it's it's perfect. I also something that I mean, all three of us are from the middle of America, right? There are a lot of people that never visit the middle of America that have a lot of opinions about the middle of America. And nothing has been more evident to me moving to the coast than just how out of touch you can still be on the coast. Like, just because you were born in, quote, the right city, Mm -hmm. this still applies. If you never leave New York City, if you never leave L.A., if you never have to live around people that think and act differently than you were raised, you will be exactly what the problem is with America. And that's not to say there aren't opportunities for you to meet and interact with people that are different from you within your space. It is just much harder in my experience. Mm -hmm. If you're offered, hey, want to be around people that are just like you, or hey, want to go be uncomfortable a little bit and stretch yourself, you're going to default to the first. And it's the amount of conversations I have with people. That was my biggest surprise moving to New York is like, oh, you guys are just like the people back home in that you think you're, you know, everything and you don't, that you just, you do not get it at all, you know? And I just, I really think the only solution to so many of our issues is to be like Marguerite and talk to people of all walks of life. And you might find yourself in a situation where you feel scared 
like Marguerite did in that second location. But again, you can react like Marguerite and be like, you know what? These probably prob- these people are probably right about their situation. Mm-hmm. If I feel scared here, they have to live here. They have to try and make their life work in this place that I want to get out of right away. I can probably come down off my pedestal and just meet them on the level that they want to be met. I just, yeah, we're a social species. Be mm-hmm. social. <laughs> one of my favorite quotes we've been doing um, where I work, I'm um, one of the co-chairs for our diversity, equity and inclusion council. And one of the things we've been talking about during our um, introductory meetings to new employees is telling them that there's that old saying, you need to be able to walk a mile in someone else's shoes to understand them. And we've gotten to the point where we're like, you don't even need to do that. You just need to listen to someone and believe them when they tell you their experiences. You don't have to live something for it to be true. Well, I think it's so crazy that something as simple as like believe women has become, has to have had become a battle cry, you know? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Just believe people, believe what people are saying about their lives, about what's going on with them, and then extend your empathy towards them. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? You're going to accidentally make the world a better place? Shoot, that would be awful. (gasps) Darn it. How dare we? (laughs) How dare we be happy people? There's, I keep thinking about, people use the, uh, the idea a lot that America's a melting pot. It's like, you know, a melting pot only works if there's no parts that stick to the bottom and just stay there. You have to intermingle, you have to mix, you have to melt. And it's uncomfortable, but it's better than seeing at the bottom and turning it into a burnt crisp. So there's my also, there's my last little usually metaphor. Usually melting pots are filled with cheese. So we're all pretty happy. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> swim with the cheese. The cheese is cheese. freaking awesome. <laughs> I don't remember who said it, but I really like someone said they think that America is more like a salad. Like every part is important. It is unique. It complements the things around it. And it's not a salad unless everything's in there together. Mm-hmm. But like, you don't have to homogenize. I, I don't know. I like that. Maybe that's weird, like individualist bullcrap, but I liked it <laughs> the first time I heard it. Uh, Let us know in the comments below. Do you like salad or melting pots better? Just, Jeez. oh, wait, we don't have comments. Never mind. Let us know. <laughs> Keep your opinions to your damn self. Tweet us. <laughs> Oh boy. Um, <laughs> people like America's like a Pop Tart, actually. Um, so no, no explanation. Just, <laughs> just that. Oh no. America's oh, no. like a gas America's like a gas station hot dog. You never know what you're gonna get, but it will bring indigestion. Oh shit. <laughs> no, that that it's that one. Unless it's a Maverick one. They've gotten pretty good recently. <laughs> Listen here, Utah. I I saw on TikTok, someone's like, if you ever don't know what to talk with someone about the Midwest about, just ask them about their local gas station. They've got opinions. And I was like, fuck you, we do. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, I will never forget the first time I went to Colorado with my new Mm -hmm. job. And I was like, I remember mentioning a Maverick to somebody and they're like, a what? I said, I don't belong here. I have to go home. (laughs) I, I've wandered too far. Oh no, I'm on the this wrong the, side of the mountains. This is the dark realm. It is. They don't call it the Great Divide for nothing. It's true. 
I was I was gonna be I was about to say, hey, I'm from the Midwest. I have no opinions about gas stations, but I just remembered that the one I always go to has a sub stop instead of a subway, and it even has like oh. the same letters as subway. Yes. It's the great value subway, <laughs> and that always makes me angry every time I see it. So never mind, I do have gas station opinions. And <laughs> that's upsetting yeah. to discover today. We yeah. we just went on a short little trip of um sadness. So thank Listen you. Listen here. Listen here. We traveled, we listened to each other. And I think we all have a more charitable view of each other <laughs> because of this great moment together. <sighs> I think it's really yeah, poignant that the guy stayed plugged into the uh, pop culture of his childhood. I think there are a lot of grown-ups, myself included. There was a line in Paper Girls, which again, we're going to be talking about soon, where it said... I've gotten, I've made so much money and I've been able to buy myself so many things. And I realize everything I buy is just a version of something from my childhood. And I don't know if it's making me any happier. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck. Oof. Oh boy. <laughs> oh no. And you just, you have to ask yourself, like, at what point mm-hmm. am I just deciding to put my feet down and not be moved by the world anymore? And there are little ways that you do it and just like, oh, well, I'm going to go back to this thing that's familiar. And that's not inherently wrong. I think you can hold on to and care about things throughout your life. I mean, we have a comic book podcast. But if you ever find yourself no longer having new experiences, I think it's worth shaking things up a little bit. Yep, and if that's you ever... his way of telling you to touch grass, kids. Star Wars fans, you listening? <laughs> Just, just wanted to. Just How dare to you check. insult them three days after their holiday? Listen, I celebrate Cinco de Cuatro like all the rest of the Arrested Development fans. Funny. That's a real holiday. What is today? The seventh. There's got to be some fun Star Wars thing. Star Wars happens all May. Thank you very much. <laughs> Lord knows they don't have enough. Nope. Excuse me. We don't have enough that we like. There's all this Disney shit they're putting out. It's just not enough. I want my, I want my Legends back. I want when my I, Luke back. Bring, bring back saw, Luke. I watched ET mm-hmm. after after reading Paper Girls. I was like, I want more kids on bikes, and so I watched ET. Mm-hmm. And when I saw Kathleen Kennedy's name as executive producer on that, I laughed out loud. <laughs> and I went, Star Wars fans touch grass. She was George Lucas's chosen one, and everyone's like, actually, you're doing it wrong. Actually, no. you're a woman? No, thank you. Oh, kids oh, on bikes, best genre. It's a kids good genre. This, this, is, we... this is kids on bikes. Yeah, what do we think about these kids on bikes? Um, I want to hear they what we think about bikes. the other characters other than Daisy and Marguerite. How about Jason? Jason the... ruled. You, okay, listen, I have a question. If you had the mo- if someone came up to you like and it's like, listen, we're in a Dungeons and Dragons situation. I need you to come. If you want to come with me, you can, but you might not be able to come back again. Do you go Absolutely. on the quest? Absolutely. If I Absolutely. can find a tavern. <laughs> just the if I could just even find a tavern in the wild mm-hmm. these days. Yeah. I would go. Like a tavern I that's know what not at a Renaissance fair? Yes. I want to go to a Renaissance fair so bad. That is my one little tiny pea brain dream. And I don't think anybody in Utah is fun enough to make one. So 
you got to come to Ohio. It's the one thing we do. <laughs> There's oh, a Utah. Renaissance Fair like all year round. Utah has a Shakespeare festival that's supposed that's... to be amazing. That's that same vibe. Do people dress up at that one or are they boring? I'm pretty sure they dress up. You would have to look into it. I don't know. I forgot about that. I got really mad because the last time I was at the Renaissance Fair, it was like right before I came out. And they had a, a breastplate there that had the Captain Marvel logo on it. And it was so <gasps> cool. Anne, let's and just like, go to a Renaissance Fair together. It would be so fun. Be and so I'd be fun. so happy. You, the turkey legs. Beautiful. Mm. Whole Enough turkey said. legs. Enough mm-hmm. said. <laughs> I am in. <laughs> I'm going to try meat again. I did not like it the last time I tried it. <laughs> but you, Do you want to hear I'm one of my favorite it. quotes that I've ever told my mother? Yes. The other day she goes, what What else do you eat other than chicken? I go, I eat turkey sometimes. And she goes, oh my, it is basically the same. And I go, no, it's not. It's not the same. <laughs> You're like, listen, there is one listen, food group and it is dinosaur. Just because I don't like beef doesn't mean I don't eat anything else, Lisa. How do you feel about chickpeas and lamb? I will uh, have to grow accustomed. That's your future. <laughs> It's delicious. I know. <laughs> I will get. I'm willing to try it. I've never. I can say I've never tried it before, so it's gonna be new. I don't know if I've ever had lamb. Oh. Actually, That's I think good. I've had lamb. Doesn't that? Isn't that what Tracy feeds us every time we see him? Yeah, mutton. That's oh. old. That's not lamb. That's old mama sheep. Oh well. But a sheep's sheep. Pretty similar. All right, that so we this is more like terrible radio. Okay, so this is what? terrible radio. <laughs> no, it's not. No, this is podcast. This is, this is friendship podcast. <laughs> this is hands down the worst five minutes of radio we've ever made. People are going to like, never had more lamb? Lexi's like, I don't think so. And like, have I ever had lamb? <laughs> Someone at home is like, what are these guys talking about? I started it. I'm the problem. Yeah, you are. I, I, I also love that you're like, that was the worst five minutes of podcast. Let me recap. Oh, for anyone oh, listening, no. what Dallas just did is he's like, he was making fun of <laughs> He just mansplained the conversation. <laughs> what do we think about that telephone booth with the little garden inside of it? And that lady, oh. that big reveal. What did we think of the reveal? That was so shell-shocking to me. I was like, how dare you say she's not the original? And then also, to piggyback off of that, when her uncle called her the wrong name for the first time, I was like, you son of a bitch. What did you just say? Oh, I was like, he doesn't even care. Not at all. This is all a game for his evil magic. It's it's so messed up that he has a man cave where it's like everything he loves, and it's just a picture, an entire wall of all of his dead nephews and nieces which begs the question how does he keep those if he resets the universe every time how does he do that does he take a picture is he like by the way you're gonna die smile okay this is gonna look (laughs) great on the collage gasp uncle of the year to be honest criminal but the the reveal was so fun. It's like a double reveal because the woman's like, listen, you've done this a lot and we don't really get like how many. And then the uncle's like, we've done this millions of times. And she's like, millions? Ugh. What the fuck? Crazy. Do you know what my favorite Chekhov's gun in this whole thing was? Shattering the jar of holding. Mm. And yes. then the double page spread of all the jar of holding goodies. It was, that was so crazy. worth it. I love a good collection of stuff. 
I feel like you would do well with a jar of holding. Let's. I would have so much shit in that jar. It'd be like under my bed. Is that your jar of holding? Yes. Not anymore because I have a partner that I live with. But when I was alone, I had lots of stuff in my jar of holding under there. It's my ADHD my, brain. I think mine's probably my closet. <laughs> my clo- I hope in the closet things are going to spill out. explodes. Exactly. Or my comic boxes. I'm... I need to get another one. These are too full. I did have two short boxes under my bed, and then my dog ate half of one. And so that was fun. None of the books, just the cardboard. She just wanted to chew the cardboard. (laughs) Sorry, we're back on the real podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Um, Yeah, the old lady was great. That was the um that was my Doctor Who moment. Cause I'm like, oh shoot, we're doing we're doing um Heaven Sent. This is this is fucking awesome. There's an episode of Doctor Who where the doctor gets trapped in like his own little device where he has to make a confession to get out or he can do it the hard way and he has to punch his way through this wall of diamond that's like a hundred feet Ooh. thick. And so he goes through this cycle that takes him like a couple hours each time where he's like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know where I am, but I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to get out of here. And he gets to the diamond wall and he realizes what's happening and he starts punching the diamond wall until this monster gets him. And then he resets the thing and he comes back and he does it all over again. And he did this for like millions of years until he punched all the way through the diamond wall. It's a great episode. It's a fantastic episode. And I'm like, that that's this. It's just how many times does it take for you to, get to do the right thing? And let me tell you, playing Jedi Survivor, it takes you a lot of attempts to finally beat that shit. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> you just got to keep trying. You have infinite lives. Go for it. You'll get there so, eventually. What did we think of Erica Henderson's artwork? We talked a lot about the story. What do we think so of the artwork fun. in the worlds? Beautiful. So fun. I love a good cartoon, if I do say <laughs> so myself. Cartooniness, bright colors, because we said she did the colors too, right? Correct. See? Mm-hmm. Gold. Wonderful. I think in comics, it's really, really um, praised when you get like really realistic art styles. You get hyper detailed, hyper. um, It's great for action. It's great for um, horror. It's great for so much. But I think the best thing a comic can do is have endearing artwork, characters and designs that you just fall in love with. And it, those are the comics that I always find myself binging through so quickly just because they pull me in. They make me fall in love with the character. It's, it's a way of like making the writer's job easier too. Cause the writer doesn't have to endear you to these characters cause the art will do it in and of itself. That page that you're talking about Lexi where there's like, um, a tavern, that like panel where she has like, I'm pretty sure she's like a glitter she's like in twinkles. her eyes. Yeah, yeah. She's like twinkles. There is no faster way to the audience's heart than making a character design that just makes them happy to see. And Erica Henderson nails that with everyone in here, except for the uncle, which is perfect because he's a prick. So. I mean, also, I've been trying to figure out great ways to subtly world build in prose. Mm -hmm. It's so hard. It is so hard. Even like, I think Brandon Sanderson is one of the best world builders ever and you girls are in for such a treat when you get up to the stormlight archive books 
Because starting there, which is his current stuff, and then going back 20 years to read Mistborn, there are a few passages that I was like, Brandon, Brandon, run that back. One more time. What do you mean? What is this three paragraphs long about the makeup of the soot? What are you talking about? Move on with your day. About the soot. Move on with your day, Brandon. And he's a master. And there are times that like, like, okay, that is necessary. That is interesting. A little clunky. Never clunky in a good comic book. Never clunky in -hmm. danger and other unknown risks. Because the artwork does the world building. I don't have to be told about the soot falling from the sky and the sun has gone red because of smog. I just get to see that. I, in one second, I get that information. And that is such a special treat to the comic book medium. And it's so cool to see Erica Henderson building world after world after world. These things that we praise, praise, praise prose writers for. Like, oh, the world building of that novel was phenomenal. And Erica Henderson does it like that in two panels. And we don't even talk about comic book artists, like, ever. I mean, we all try our best, but, like, we're absolutely in an era of talking about writing first, artwork second. Mm-hmm. And, like, this book isn't nearly what it is without Erica Henderson. Oh, yeah. No. I could not think of a single other right, um, artist I would rather have on this book. It's brilliant. There's, I was thinking, you're talking about world building, and I'm thinking about just the two panels where it's the woman who accidentally turned herself into a Medusa, killed her family, and then became a gangster, became like a job of the hut. And there's mm-hmm. like two lines of text from Ryan North there, but the rest is just all implied in her art. And you're like, that's a whole ass story in two panels that I would love more of. That's, it's, it's perfect. And also, just coloring nerd here. Listen, mm-hmm. it's been a while since Dallas's color <gasps> theory corner. Yes. Da-da-da-da-da! It's everybody's favorite. Dallas's coloring corner. So this isn't actually color theory, but all of the mystical light colors in this that then bathe over everything else, like the red pages, the purple pages, whatever, and you can still tell what color everything is supposed to be. Uh, like if you go to page 11, when there's the Wii U, Wii U red light going off because they stole the monkey's hand. And you still somehow, like, everything's bathed in red, but it actually looks like these characters just bathed in red. I have no idea how Erica Anderson did that. Mm-hmm. Like, how how do you layer colors like that in a way that they don't just muddy each other? That they actually feel complimentary? Like, th- what an artist. It's stunning. And every world has its own special color scheme that really makes the artwork sing. It makes the sections of the book distinct and powerful. It's just brilliant. Also, I love the title cards for every chapter. Yeah. We got our, um, for anyone who can't see them, they've got, just think the Suicide Squad, those type of title cards, and I love it. It's so good. I also, I mean, I love the Polaroid snapshots of Marguerite exploring the world after they save it. Yeah, we got our Lilo and Stitch moment. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. All right. Do we have any other thoughts about this before we move on to our one and a half questions for (gasps) danger and other unknown risks? Bring it on. I'm ready. The half one. I'm ready for the half one. Not the full one. I have half. half a, no, I have a half a brain, so I can probably answer that one. 
Well, I have the other half, and Alexa oh, has okay. a whole. So that's that's, <gasps> that's why two brains. Too... That's two. <laughs> Not even two brain cells. Two brains on the show. I'm flattered. It's a pretty big, pretty big brain podcast. Woo-woo. All right. First question from Evan. Dangerous things and whatnot. Hello, collective. I'm only halfway through Danger and Unknown Risks, but unsurprisingly, I'm in love with the world, rules, and characters North and Henderson have developed. They're two of the best creators in the industry right now, consistent and high quality, but I feel like they never get the recognition they deserve. What other comic book creators or creators in other mediums do you think deserve way more recognition than they get? Also, if you could have had one magical spell that could only do one hyper-specific thing, exact example, turning book pages or flushing the toilet, what would it be? <laughs> With love, Evan. Oh. So, what other comic creators do you feel like don't get their flowers? Okay, so I'm going to say Jadzia Axelrod straight away. And it's because she's relatively new to the scene. But I think just from what she did in Galaxy, I don't know how you can look at her and say, don't Give her any, give her anything she wants. Honestly, she wants. She's talking about wanting some JSA books. Give her JSA books. Do it. You're cowards. I can't believe. Ugh, there's so many people working in this industry who are so boring and bland. And I want people with voices like Jadzia more prominent. I think that she is wonderful, and I'm so excited to see what Hot Girl has to bring. By the way, pre-order Hot Girl if you haven't already. Pre-orders really, really help these books. Spread the word. Have everyone do it. Thank you. Um, and I'm so, so ready to see what else she does. I had to bring this up because I was looking at an article about Hot Girl coming out. And this guy was writing the articles like, well, her Galaxy book didn't sell that well. I haven't read it. But, you know, I just, honestly, I can't see why they would give her a main book. And I'm like, shut up. Read her books. You'll understand why. Like, shut She's... your damn mouth. I was like, shut your damn Who is this? I actually Google and he follows me on Twitter. You? I'm like, who oh. are you? To be making these bold claims, <laughs> bold, bold of you to say, but oh, I, I think she's gonna really blow up. And both, both Stephanie's out there right now, Williams and Phillips. I think they're both fantastic and don't get the respect that they deserve, especially from DC. I don't know what happened with Stephanie Phillips in DC, but they DC's missing out. She's over at Marvel now, and hopefully they let her play because she is gonna be big. I'm, sta- I'm standing with my Stephanie's. Agree. Lex, who do you think that you've read on the show doesn't get enough flowers? Well, see, I will always toss little flowers around my Tilly Walden Hill, but uh, that might just be in my mind because I think she's the cat's pajamas, but I think mm-hmm. she does get attention when she deserves not it. In the but not in the main comic sphere, which is stupid. Like, yes. outside of comic books, her books are events for people that yes. just, like, read graphic novels amongst their other things yes but in like the wednesday warriors morons if you will okay. they do yeah. not appreciate my answer Tilly then because i love that woman and i oh, still yeah. sometimes would like lay down and kick my feet the fact that i got to talk to her every day it's great <laughs> amazing experience hmm who do i think needs more praise me i think i deserve you get plenty. Don't be selfish. Uh, Dallas, you're awesome. Thank you. I think Scotty Young as a writer deserves more flowers. People love his baby covers, but his writing's great. <laughs> the me you love in the dark. Fantastic. Phenomenal. 
Uh, I think both John Allison and Max Saren deserve more flowers. I know they're big with their fans, but just in general, those two deserve some love. Absolutely. I think Meredith McLaren, who's working on Black Cloak with Kelly Thompson. Yes. Fantastic. Needs more love. I think that, I mean, still me, still me. I need more love. Um, Mark Russell does really great work still. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people read Flintstones and liked it. If you haven't read Flintstones, one of the best comics of all time. And Mark Russell has biting commentary on the society we live in today. Great at writing satire. Criminally underrated. And mm-hmm. my final recommendation is Junie Ba. If you did not read Monkey Meat, if you did not read Jellia, and if you did not read his TMNT annual, you are missing out. One of the rising talents in the American comic scene. Truly incredible, really imaginative, brilliant work. I think we are looking at the beginning of one of those where did this person come from type of mm-hmm. careers. And you should be in it at the ground floor. Also, this is sort of a similar to Tilly Walden thing. Like people outside of Wednesday know this name. No, it's important. But if you haven't ever actually read an Alison Bechdel comic and you just know like the Bechdel test, read an Alison Bechdel comic. They're amazing. Alison Bechdel is one of the greatest to ever do it. My personal favorite is The Secret to Superhuman Strength, which is her memoir that is told through the different exercise fads she got caught up in over the last 60 years. And it's brilliant. She's literally a genius. Also, Jean Luen Yang, certified <laughs> genius, somehow didn't get any love with his work over at DC. Shang-Chi did pretty well, but still. Yeah. Go buy a copy of Dragon Hoops if you don't own one, listener. Shame on you. Go buy a copy of Dragon Hoops. Immediately. All right. Hyper-specific spells. Ooh, okay. I would love one that would do my hair perfectly every morning. Just that. That would make my life so much better. That's it. I want the wipe my ass spell. Oh, Lord. (laughs) One time, one spell. Never a magic marker moment again. I I want the... Someone the, call that spell fiber. <laughs> but I want a magic spell. That is that is true. Thank, yeah. You, you need to eat more fiber. Thanks. I would either do the pick me the perfect outfit spell so I don't have to waste time wondering what I'm going to wear for the day or the shave my leg spell. That one would help a lot. Save me a lot of time too. I'd appreciate oh. it. The brush my teeth from bed spell. <laughs> or the turn off every light in your house spell. <gasps> Turns so out we're just a bunch of in bed. We're, we're just a bunch of lazy girlies, is what I'm I mean. Learning. What's the point of magic point if of magic? not to be lazy? Exactly. That's what do you think? If I was a little witch, I would be the laziest <laughs> mofo to exist. That is a great short story. That's a great like Ongoing comic strip idea: the laziest witch, the lazy, the li- the little lazy, the little witch. lazy witch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Trademark. Uh, out there can take that. 
See, um, I actually want the give $100 to whoever needs it most. Spell. Oh my god, shut up. No. I, I want to be able to no. kiss you better than me. No, he, he's, that's what he's saying. He's saying he's better than both of us. It's like, oh, I would just, what's a simple, I would do the end world hunger spell. That's what, you know what, I, I think that's. every cancer spell. Exactly. It ha it's very specific. Um, it just targets every cancer. It's yeah. bingo, exactly. bingo. You're starting to get the vision. Okay. He, he's like, I did this. I made them good people. <sighs> I'm so glad I'm saving you two. <laughs> this has been his his long game. That's yeah, why we're still around. saving us. And exactly. Comical. All right. So for the half question, and as the segue to next week's episode for you, dear listener, <gasps> Owen Saylor writes in for a paper girls slash danger and other un unknown risks question. Hello again, Comics Collective. For my question, I want to ask, what do you feel are the strengths of Brian K. Vaughn and Ryan North, the writers of Paper Girls and Danger and Other Known Risks? And which book do you think that each of these guys have written in their careers that showcase their strengths the best? Much love, Owen Saylor. So I want to do the Ryan North question for this one. Mm -hmm. And then maybe we can also just talk about specific books that we think showcase the talent of creators really well to open it up yeah. and then we'll cover this again next week on our paper girls episode that we're recording right after this yeah i feel like dallas you'd be perfect to start this one off because my ryan north experience is pretty limited compared to yours the best ryan north comic is the adaptation of slaughterhouse five that might be a mean thing to say since it's an adaptation of a mm -hmm. kurt vonnegut book so ryan north didn't get to write any of the dialogue or the story. But listening in interviews to his process in dissecting that book and creating from the ground up a whole new experience with those same parts was phenomenal. And it creates one of the greatest graphic novels of all time. And I think that just thinking about the process of that, like, okay, I have to make something completely new from these ingredients that don't add up to that thing without changing anything is insane mm -hmm. and it's witty it's funny a lot of that comes from kurt vonnegut but the decisions of what to make visual what not to make visual the timing what to make a thought balloon what to make a narration balloon was orchestrated by ryan north and i think it shows the level of wit and intelligence ryan north is a huge kurt vonnegut fan and so if you read that and like it, you are going to like all of Ryan North's other books because that was such a huge influence on what he did. Obviously, Squirrel Girl is fantastic. Like I said, How to Take Over the World is delightful. This book that we've been talking about, great. His Fantastic Four run right now, he might be the first person ever to be smart enough to write Reed Richards. Like, his read is so smart. Oh, yeah. When you're reading it in an approachable way. I think that's the the big one. The the one I was going to talk about. It's just like I was thinking when this question was asked. Like the I thought they were going to ask like what's the difference in approach between Brian K. Vaughn and Ryan North. And I was thinking like, well, I not to spoil our Paper Girls episode, but there was definitely something that clicked with me a bit more in this one about how he approached the plot and making that something that was digestible to the audience. And I think that he does a great job of doing smart, but making sure that 
he takes us morons along with him. He's like, you're coming along for the ride. I'll make sure that you understand. And I've never had an issue with it. His Fantastic Four, by the way, is so fun. The little Twilight Zone episodes, they're fantastic. Lex, were there any specific things that really came through strong from Ryan North for you in this? I feel like for me, this question is a little hard because this really is the only thing I've ever read from yeah so you can just talk about your impression of him based on this okay i feel like this was very up my alley like i really loved the light-hearted storytelling and just overall feel of it i feel like it was done in a really fun way i loved the twists and the turns and all the different character beats and moves with all of them um i loved having like the little the little gang that gets to ride their bikes across all the different worlds and throw toads over uh <laughs> lines like it just is hilarious like it's the perfect mix of lighthearted and crazy and high stakes with like that underlying be a good person theme mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know like i just feel like i mean we talked about it a little bit earlier like it's very um I don't want to. I don't want to say simple, but that's the word that's coming to mind. Very quality, simple storytelling, and I feel like that's why this book is so approachable for literally everyone. Like mm-hmm. I feel like everybody can get something out of this that they would like. Yeah, it's digestible. Yes. Bing. Also, think- just some. Oh, sorry. Go for it, Dallas. No, absolutely you. Because say something I really appreciate about Ryan North, and it's something that I know. I'm, I'm not trying to like con- slam Brian K. Vaughn with everything that I do, but I know it's something that a lot of mainline writers struggle with sometimes is sometimes when a guy's writing a female protagonist, it gets really obvious that he's out of his element sometimes where it's like, I don't know if you've never talked to a woman before or if you're just really stretching things here. It's just like, I feel like they don't always get it or they try too hard. This one just, it just reads beautifully. It's just, he's just writing a character, which is the way you should treat it. And it's just, Never, never feels out of place. I'm happy to go along with the story. Exactly. Never a moment that feels awkward or out of place. So, Agreed. very, very well done. I like it. I the only thing I would add, there was a TikTok I watched recently <gasps> where the the person said they just wanted to speak to the strength of books within the information age. They said books are so valuable because they are some of the smartest people in the world figuring out the simplest ways to express their complex ideas. And then someone else who is very smart reads that, gives them notes saying where they didn't express themselves very well, and then they change it again and it gets edited back and forth until it is the simplest way to learn very complex things and ideas mm-hmm. from some of the smartest people in the world. And there's just not another art form that works that way. And I think Ryan North is a great example of someone who has 1000 intelligence and compacts it down into 10 intelligence worth bites for the rest of us. And that's so fun. Amen. Also, you know those dinosaur comics with the green dinosaur that says something crazy and then the other dinosaur says something to him and then there's always four? That's Ryan North. 
Really? <gasps> That's how he got his start, was making oh, those. And then- the Little silly dinosaurs. He okay. got, he's like, I did that for so long that someone who grew up on my comics got a job at IDW and messaged me and said, hey, I think you'd be perfect for Rick and Morty comics. Can we hire you? I've been reading your comics since elementary school. And he said, <laughs> that made me feel a thousand years old, but then I got the job. And now I just keep writing comics. He's like, what they didn't the know was it's the same four pictures every time. He's like, I'm not that creative. So yeah, I think you have read Gold. a little Ryan North if you've read dinosaur comics. Gold. Okay. Yeah. All right. Love it. Should we roll this episode out? <gasps> we shall. What a sh- little short and sweet app. Hope you all enjoyed. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. But if everyone, if you like our show and want to hear more from us throughout the week, please go follow our Twitter account at CMX Collective or our TikTok account at The Comics Collective. Or you can find each of us at our personal accounts at Dallas underscore comics, at Ann Comics, and at Lexi Lou underscore comics. If you enjoyed the show and want to show your support, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening and give us a five-star written review, and we will read it off on the show. And finally, feel free to email us with your questions or comments for the show at thecomicscollective at gmail.com. And join us. Oh, Dallas was going to say something. Nope, you. I was being annoying. Wow. Hmm. All right. But everyone, join us next week, even though we're filming it right now, for Paper Girls. It's going to be so fun. I picked it myself. Very proud of myself. Didn't know what I was getting myself into, but woohoo. It'll be fun. It was a hoot. Well, I'll see you there next week. Bye. Bye.